eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And welcome back, folks, to another edition of the Michigan Football Breakdown focused on the offense with Al Borges. A little bit later today, that's on me. I had some family things to tend to uh, earlier today. Kind of pushed us down a bit. A little business around the noon hour, but we got to get the breakdown in to look back at the week that was for Michigan on offense, look back at the week that was for Michigan on defense with Vance Beffert, and to incorporate you, the people, because someone said in the stream last week, I am the water cool. I'm a, I'm the water cooler champion. I think you that's are the water cooler. <laughs> right. But and, you had to build to that sound. That didn't happen overnight. Okay. That was something that you grew over time. And acquired this knowledge that at this point in time, no one's messing with you with the water cooler, Sam. They're going to scatter as soon as they see you in, in the building. Well, see, so that was a comment from a viewer, though. And I don't know if I've seen you happier in the first five weeks of doing the breakdowns when that user, when that viewer said, I'm the water cooler champ, Al. So you're, you're crowning champions. I don't know, are you the WBO, the WBC? Whatever the the crowning division for boxing is, you're that as far as football breakdowns are concerned. Yeah, and what I want what I want this week uh, is I want scores. I want I want to know what blank name did with uh, you know Joe Schmatz or uh, or uh, Donnie don't know squat you know whoever you know what I'm saying. I want to know what those scores were. So I'm going to have them in the comments. I want them to report their water cooler scores so we can tabulate how we're doing here and then just continue to build on their understanding to a point where everybody will just stay away, Sam. They won't even mess with them anymore. Kind of like what they do with you now. (laughs) Well, listen, uh, this is not the regular time. Just want to stress that. Just had to push it down in our this week. We'll return to our regularly scheduled time next week uh, but you can start getting your questions in get your questions in folks and we will get to al at the end of the show having him answer your queries maybe you have some queries uh some answers you need to take to the water cooler with you al will equip you to do just that but let's dive into this game al borges he who coordinated offenses at michigan auburn oregon ucla i'm running a gamut al i mean You've coordinated offenses in all these places, and I wonder if in any of your stops, was your run game ever as diverse as Michigan's run game has shown itself to be this year, certainly in this last game against Minnesota? No, I, I would no, probably not. Now we had some pretty diverse diverse run games 
based on our experience, certain places we were, we really did branch out. But they've taken this because of the the amount of success they've had and the experience of their offensive line. I think that's a huge part of it to add to that to the tight ends. Um, no, I think that the diversity in this run game, particularly in this last game, was uh, was amazing. I mean, uh, I had them, and I go back over all the plays and see how many times they ran this and how many times they ran that and whatever. And I had them with 14 different, 14 to 15 different run variations. Now, understand when I say run variations, it may be a gap scheme, which like a power play or a duo. It may be a zone scheme, like a stretch play or an outside zone. They didn't run any stretches in this game. It may be an insert scheme, like an isolation play or a zone with backside isolation or something like that. They're all in one of those families, but they're using more variation off those than I've ever seen. They had counter OH, insert, open zone, duo, quarterback bluff arc, tight zone, power, pin and pull, iso, bluff reverse, quad power. Uh, they ran the wedge with a lead. They ran the G lead. They ran the crack toss, which I haven't seen them run all year. Tight zone, punch quad, quad power. I mean, that's a lot of names for a lot of things, but you just don't see teams run that much variation in their run game. They'll stick with, you know, four or five basic runs, knowing that about three of them are going to really be good and the other ones are going to kind of help. But that is a lot of stuff to defend with a lot of different formations and a lot of different tight end formations that provide more gaps to have to defend. So that's that's a headache. Yeah, I mean, it definitely takes a, a veteran group to be able to do this, Al, because I've heard you talk about it many times over the years having you break things down. You talk about economy of offense. Yeah. yeah, you could execute the things that you can practice a lot, right? Well, these guys, you could wind up being the jack of many trades, master of none if yeah. you do too much. And this team yeah. isn't doing too much, which is amazing to say. When you say they ran 17 run schemes in one game. Yeah, they're not strained from their normal uh, family of, of, of schemes. And I say schemes, like I say, gap schemes, Okay. Here's a gap scheme, and here's the four or five things we can do uh, with the gap scheme. Here's the zone scheme, and here's the four or five things we can do with the zone scheme, whether it be with switching perimeter people or adding a person to the to lead, lead block or whatever. You know, just window dressing and subtlety, a little nuance within the scheme without making the five linemen learn something completely different. Now you can function as long as those guys aren't confused. Yeah, and they certainly haven't been uh, when you consider just how clean they are. Allison, let's talk about that. I mean, to do what they do without penalties. Like, that was one of the things that we we heard P.J. Fleck talk about. I mean, we didn't have to have P.J. Fleck mention it to us, but they do not beat themselves. Uh, You know, they, they don't make a lot of mistakes in terms of execution, and they don't penalize themselves either even makes even more amazing that they do so much and they do it cleanly it's it to me it's it's kind of amazing because your ability to avoid penalties really gets tested on the road because uh there's a tendency with teams to get more pre-snap penalties false starts offsides blah 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 you know uh, on the road delay game uh, because of the crowd noise issues and, you know, just it's just not as familiar as it, as it is at home. And they've had one penalty, 
I think it was a holding penalty, if I'm not mistaken, in two weeks on the road and no turnovers. I mean, that's highly just how many teams do that? I mean, you just don't do that very much. It's it's just and a, a, a lot of it's attributed to the system and to the discipline of their kids and, and you know, not panicking under adverse situations and such. But that is notable that there has been really no pre-snap penalties to speak of in road games because that's going to happen as much as you try and avoid it. Do you remember uh, be, before the season I was talking to you about <clears throat> what the word was from inside about some of the difference? And they were talking about how J.J. was just – he was pristine in practice. Like he had only had a couple picks and that, you know, those were tip balls by the receivers, not even by the defense, right? Or maybe there was a batted ball at the line of scrimmage. But he Yeah, they weren't decision issues. Yeah, yeah, they weren't decision issues. They weren't footwork issues where he just, you know, a ball got away from him. It was it was unbelievable. David said, but he's so clean. We, we could put so much more on this plate. And so they were saying, like, he's going to be able to change plays. He's going to be able to change protections. Well, you got to be able to recognize coverages. You got to be able to. Uh, to, in order, I mean, when you talk about changing plays, you got to be able to recognize pressures in order. In when you know it comes to changing protections, and he's doing it. Al, we saw it in this game. Yeah, he did it a couple times. Either he was changing it, which I think he was at least one of those times, or he was alerting to what was going on. You know what I mean? He saw maybe the nickel blitzing off the edge and alerted the tackling guard to turn out, or maybe he just changed the protection to where they did that. And I'm not exactly sure. Uh, you'd have to ask coaches, but one way or the other, there's definitely an increased awareness level. I don't think there's any question about that. That nickel would creep up a little bit and somebody sneak in behind him, showing him that the nickel was indeed blitzing. And right away, the red flag gone up, went up to make sure that he told everybody else what the hell was going on. And <clears throat> that's good. You know, you just didn't see a ton of that a year ago. And I think a lot of it, he's just swimming uphill a little bit because it was all new to him. But um, now it's it becomes very natural. And he knows how to hold account. I saw him do that, too, where he kind of holds account, make them show, and then once they show, yeah, these are all things that as quarterbacks grow more and more, they learn how to do. You know, it's funny. Uh, and, I'm you know, one of the, the viewers on the stream kind of mentioned this, how you know, you hang around with coaches, you hang around with players a lot, and you'll never see it like a coach. Like, we'll never see it like you, right? As, as We will never see as much as you, but we start to see it like you. We start to look at different things. So Yeah, that you, you look at different things. That's, yeah. that's where guys start building football knowledge. They're not just watching the ball all the time. You know, right, right. Things that you, you're looking at that maybe other fans aren't looking at. Yeah, so the, the thing that jumps out to me, I used to always, my context clue for if it's man-to-man or zone, pre-snap was motion, right? Mm-hmm. And But you can't, that that is not the only tell anymore of whether it's man. They can fool you like that, right? Sure so there's can. so much yeah. more. So I remember he was like, hey, Sam, look at look at the safety relative to the corner or nickel, right? Is he Is he over the top of him? Where is the where is the DB? Is he staring at his man? Is he looking in the backfield? Mm-hmm. Right. There's so many things that you're looking at to give you those those pre-snap clues, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's the kind of thing that obviously JJ is doing at a graduate level. We we're doing it at elementary level, but still you can see him processing all those things <laughs> on the block. As well as the backs too. See the backs and the quarterback, because they are more 
they can see more. You know what I mean? They're more focal because they're behind the line. They they have to see what the configuration and the contour of the secondary as it relates to the to the to the front or the linebackers, right? Uh, and you see little things that happen that are little abnormal to what normal alignments might look like. Creepy nickels, safeties cheating off the hash, corners looking in the backfield from press coverage, all kinds of little things that if you're a good back or quarterback and you're aware, you kind of know what's coming or the possibilities of what's coming. You know what I'm saying, Sam? Is A lot of times you can't just reduce it to this is coming. But what you do is you knock off other stuff and and reduce it to the couple of things that will happen. And that makes it a lot easier for the quarterback and for the running back. Yeah. Hey, uh, Ryan Mullen said, Al, you can't shave the mustache till we lose. (laughs) Did I grow a mustache? Yeah. (laughs) Hey, hey, T. Foster said, hey, the scruff is a good look. He said he likes the scruff. I got to have that. my, My wife likes it. She likes it when I look a little scruffy, maybe a little Sean Connery look. I'm a little better looking than Sean Connery, but I still kind of had, you know, that that little deal that I don't know. Yeah, so many, so many things to highlight. So we'll get to the broad brush of the grades coming up. But you you've watched the line very clear. You grade every position. Am I being too forward in my thinking when I say the last two weeks? have been the most imposing weeks of the lines play thus far this season. You can maybe attribute that to the fact that you're another weekend, mm-hmm. uh, but I am certainly attributing part of it to Ladarius and Carson being the, the, the tackle tandem. Am I going too far in saying that? I think from a physical perspective, I don't, I, I don't think there's any doubt that the last two weeks have been the most imposing physically. Uh, they, you know, they still have errors. I, I still grade some minuses here, some technique issues, on some double teams, you know, maybe a bad foot and hat placement initially, but it's here and there. I mean, it's, nobody's perfect. They're NFL guys the same way. But in terms of just the physical nature of putting a body on a body, I call it bull elk on bull elk. You know what I mean? Two dudes or two dudes coming off against each other or two dudes on one dude coming off against each other and moving, moving that, that, that line of scrimmage so that back has room to press the line of scrimmage and pick out his hole. You know what I mean? He's not getting hit in the backfield. He's not being forced to to dodge defenders before he reaches at least the first level of the defense. And a lot of times the second level of the defense. So um, yeah, I think from, from that perspective, these last two weeks have been more physical with the offensive line. And, And Sam, I think it's important to, to add the tight ends to that because they are such a huge part of Michigan's run game. Now more than, 95% 95% of the college football teams, they are more NFL-like that way, where they have to be able to, to block down. They have to be able to, to arc out and, and block in the perimeter. They have to be able to block on the second level. They're being asked to do a variety of things, like the linemen, to make the play go. Yeah. This tight end group, um, you know, they they are killing teams. And I'm not just talking about killing them physically. I'm talking about killing them with how the how how much diversity they have, you know, you got multiple guys that can go out and catch passes. Uh, I think Max Bredesen has been the best blocking move guy. I think they've I've seen them have and and they've had some good fullbacks. Mm-hmm. He's like a move guy. He's coming across the format. He's he's doing a lot of that split zone uh, duo kick stuff. He's doing yes. a lot of that. 
And Al, I think he's the best they've had at it in Harbaugh's tenure. What, what would you say about that? Well, I, I, from where Max was a year ago to where he is this year, and he wasn't bad a year ago. But he was still kind of learning it, you know what I mean? And they weren't using him but here and there because I don't think they really were completely comfortable with what he what he brought to the table yet. Well, this year, <laughs> they're completely comfortable, as is he, which is even more important, right? He is blocking from the backfield in the eye formation. He is blocking from a variety of offset looks on counter plays and power plays. He is blocking on the wing. He is blocking in double wing situation. And he's motioning to all the spots I just mentioned. He is split zone blocking. He is arc blocking. He is down blocking. He is involved because of the nature of his position. He's not really an inline tight end for them, although he does a little bit of that too, but not, not a ton. Because of all the things he has been asked to do, he is invaluable to their approach to the run game because he's so efficient at it. Yeah, he's been fantastic. And then you add uh, Colston is not just the pass catcher. You see a lot of those guys who are as refined a pass catcher as Colston is, and you don't see them do any of the dirty work, right? I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> you split me out, coach, right? I'm, I'm not that flex to be coach. I'm not doing the inline stuff. And that's not Colston. Like, all no. their guys do the dirty work, too. Really, that's not any Michigan tight end. you got to do dirty work. You want to catch passes? We'll let you catch passes. This is a place I said before, you've died and gone to tight end heaven. This is it, okay? If you're going to be a recruited, this is a place to play. And if you want to play next level, they're doing all the stuff you watch the 49ers and the Eagles and everybody else do. But you pay your dues, okay? You're going to have, be asked to do some things, some dirty work, some Inline blocking, some like I said, some arc blocking, some crack blocking, whatever. You got to earn that opportunity to catch those passes. Now, the one thing that you'll notice if you watch Michigan closely is they ask certain dudes to do a little more of what they're good at and a little less with, of what they're not. So Colston, who can play inline tight end and isn't a bad blocker, but you can be sure that Barner's going to probably do a little more of that. Mm-hmm. But Barner's still going to catch passes. He ain't going to do nothing but that. Colson's going to catch more passes. It more tuned to his skill set. But if you want to catch the passes, we're going to have to be able to motion you into the core every so often and block on a split zone or a dual kick. So they all got to do a little bit of something. But for the most part, they have it. And you can tell the way they package it. The guys do what they do best the most. Man, it is. uh, they aren't sexy all the time. Right. And then some of the stuff they do is really sexy. Right. But they are sexy all the time, like the, you know, full scale passing attacks are. That gets all the attention. And I think it leads to the impression that maybe Michigan has been antiquated mm-hmm. in, in, in their approach, that they aren't diverse enough to uh, go against some of the better teams. So assess for me the diversity of the offense. We talked about diversity of the run game. This, this, it plays into that. Mm-hmm. But, do you think the pacing of the offense and how much they run is on track? Would you say it is, you know, as far as the, the offensive approach that will be viable against the best teams, do you think they are where they need to be? Or are they pretty far behind? I mean, I think the sentiment in some in the fan base are like, man, they, they need to be doing more, especially in the past game in order to play the better teams. What would you say about that, watching this offense, having coordinated a lot of offenses yourself? Well, my question would be, what, what would that entail? Does that entail throwing more passes? Because I don't think 
as long as Michigan's playing their game, they're playing it the way they want to play it. The passes that they do, do throw are very sophisticated. They're plays that you see on Sundays by the NFL teams, okay? Um, stick routes, shallow crosses, um, X amount of layered routes with, with people coming over the top on stairs. I mean, it all that stuff is pretty much in line with what you see in Sunday. They just do less of that because they pass less, okay? And that's just the way they play. I don't know when you say that they're not sexy. I think they are kind of sexy. I just don't think they're flashy. They're not a flashy football team. They're they're cool. They move tight ends all over the place. They 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 give you different looks on every snap. I mean, they they create more issues. I uh, do. Al, if, if we're talking run game, they're like Beyonce, dude. Uh, like, I was talking about the run game. Yeah, no, I'm not talking about in the pass game too, though, Sam. They they create enough of that. The one thing they don't do. I mean, if you want to lay something on them and say, well, they're they're antiquated, which I don't think this is necessary. They're on RPO team. Mm-hmm. And so many teams are RPO teams. You know, they'll throw we, – we, we watch Georgia in that championship. Holy Toledo. I mean, they're throwing – they threw about 14 or 15 just in the first half of the game. And a lot of the teams, their whole approach is RPOs. Yeah. Well, with them, you're going to see less duo plays and less quad pin and pulls and less stuff that Michigan does. All they've done is kind of trade it off. If Michigan wants a bite to take a bite out of you, they're going to do it with a play-action pass. They are not an RPO team to this point. And six games in, I'm not thinking they're ever really going to be a big RPO team. You you may see spotty spot in spots where they run an RPO here and there, but that's not really there. So if, if you're going to lay anything on them, that's probably what you would say is it's they're not they're not a run pass option team for the most part. But they they compensate with so many other things within the, the core of their offense that makes up for, for no RPOs. So um uh, I, I think, again, they're not flashy, but they are sexy, I think. I think they do some stuff that's uh, pretty darn cool, particularly for a college football team. Yeah, I, you definitely. We could go every week and pick out in the past game some pro schemes that come out. I mean, or and the pro, pro teams seem like they're taking from Michigan a little bit. You you. Check out the Lions and the 49ers. Both. Oh, yeah. What about that, Sam? We got, That was something. I told you when I was watching the game, I had you on the phone, and they ran that that reverse delay. The t- the one we telestrated, anybody that watches our telestrations, delay the tight end and run them down. The side. I go, oh, my. I wonder where they got that. Uh, then I told, you, I told you the 49ers did it, too. I've stole plays off television before. I promise you, when they do the replay, I'd be writing like this. And then the 49ers turn around and did the same point. I don't know that they stole it from Michigan or not. That's, I'm not saying. But it is suspicious that it happened, you know, kind of like the next week, you know. Um, but who cares? There's no patent on these plays, Sam. You can't, you don't get, you know, no copyrights on these plays. You can steal anybody's play anytime you want to. So uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, and the play I've seen run now three times for one big gain and two touchdowns. So that's probably a pretty good play. You might want to keep that one around. Yeah, so last one before we get to your broad brush. You mentioned, I, you know, if if there is one thing that I've sort of kind of gotten with the crowd on as far as the offense is concerned, it would be the RPO. Everything else, I'm like, come on, man, calm down. This offense, if you pay close attention, is super diverse, right? It's You see building, like you see them adding things every single week. They are yeah, six games in. They've won, what, one or two RPOs on the year. Probably not, to your point, going to be a big part of what they do 
ever. We know it's in the toolkit, but why would you say they don't do more? And I'll give you my theory, and you tell me if I'm thinking right. Well, they want to run the ball a certain amount. Well, at this point, it's economy of offense. I don't think they want to spend RPOs are expensive now, man. You got to practice those because there's so many variations of them. You know, uh, you got to practice a heck out of those. And we talked about this hell a couple years ago when we started you know, RPOs become more and more pre- prevalent. Is it's very difficult to control run pass ratio, okay? Because when uh, when you call RPOs, you're going to throw it against add in defenders, which means you're going to have an eighth player in the box where you you got seven blockers. You know, a seventh player in the box when you have six blockers, whatever, and the ball's going to come out a lot. There's going to be a lot of passes thrown. Now you're going to say, "Well, hell, JJ can do that," mm-hmm. and you would be right. I think he could. How much? But do you want to spend more time on that, okay, mm-hmm. or do you want to give the ball to reliable players like Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards and your quarterback too, for that matter, on some plus one runs? You want to spend more time with that? Well, they've chosen to do more of that stuff and spend less time on RPO. But just remember, those are the two factors I think, to me, are the most relevant, is expense time, expensive time in practice and inability to control your run-pass ratio, which means it's one less carry for Corum, one less carry for Donovan. It may be worth it, mm-hmm. but uh, the way they're doing what they're, with what they're doing, what they're doing, it would be hard to justify shifting gears at this juncture. Yeah, I mean, you think about the number of times teams add in defenders on Michigan, they be throwing the ball a ton. That's what I say. You want RPOs, you're going to see a million passes. That might entertain you, but that may not be the best way to win the game. So, I mean, virtually every time they come with a tight, more than one tight end, you're getting a loaded box. Okay, that's and you're probably getting one even with just one tight end. They they know what Michigan wants to do. So, you want to throw a gazillion RPOs and stop doing what you're doing. I guess you could do that, but you're becoming more and you're putting more and more on J.J. McCarthy. And his his plate right now is pretty full, but he is executing it so well. Man, I hate to mess with it. Mm-hmm. The one thing I want to say, though, is this, Sam. There's going to be a game where Michigan is going to have to throw the ball probably 35-plus times, okay? I, I, I don't think uh, they can go – the whole schedule and not play someone that's going to force you because eventually you'll get in a game. Go, oh, boy, we're having a little more trouble running the ball than I'm used to here. What's so there's going to be things that come up within their passing game that you might not have seen as much in other games simply through necessity. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
All right, folks, if you have questions for Al Borges, put them in the comments. I've been keeping track of them so far, but if you haven't added your question yet, get it in now, and we will get to it after we get to Al's broad brush of the game and then his grade. So, Al, let's go to, go to it now. Give us your broad brush of the 52-10 to 10 victory over the Golden Gophers. Most of it we've discussed but uh, I think uh, the, the run variations jumped out at me. And when I broke it down, I knew it in the game. In the game, I go, God, dog, this is a lot of stuff in this guy. But once I broke it all down and crunched the numbers, the, the ver- run variations jumped off the page to me. The addition of the pin and pulls, which we had not seen. Uh, they haven't run, I think, three of them. But, boy, they were good. One, one I think, popped for 40 yards against the corner blitz. Uh, Keegan kicked the guy out. And, Blake cut underneath him, and that was nice. That was nice. I think that was their first one. Uh, we haven't mentioned this, but they're play-action shots. Mm-hmm. They're, they're shots off play-action uh, in this game. Uh, they threw six of them, and I think they hit five of them, and all of them were significant gains. I don't know that they were forced to check a ball down on a play-pass shot. Uh, no, they checked it down in other, other pass plays, but not. I don't think they were forced to check one down on a play-pass shot. Uh, quarterback continues – to hurt people running the ball, not necessarily with huge numbers, Sam, but with also the threat mm-hmm. of him pulling the ball. He uh, had two really good runs. One of them, I thought he probably should have given the ball off, but he beat the guy like a Tom Tom. Okay. He got outside the pocket and he got outside the, 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 the out in the perimeter and he just beat him. I mean, not like a base fiddle, Al. What happened to the and, base fiddle? Uh, that's that relates to when you can't hit a pass, Sam. You can't if you can't hit a pass, you can't hit a cow in the ass with a base fiddle. That's not really relative to this, but uh, it was interesting. Uh, him demonstrating his run skills when there was, you know, a guy was there to tackle him, you know, and they couldn't do it. Okay, um, they continue to force the defense to defend a lot of gaps, and I, I've said this every week, and they just don't handle it very well you know these these teams now somebody probably will but the teams i've seen to this point just they're just not handling it very well and with the addition of jj pulling some of those dual plays that's just hard that's a lot of stuff to think about and they only ran in this game a couple of dual plays which is their mother play you know that's that's starting point for everything but they had so many other ways to to, to get you that they just picked those no turnovers uh, great balance 219 yards passing 191 rushing and only one penalty. I mean, these are fun shows, Sam. When you get when this stuff is this is good stuff, you know. Yeah, I don't take it for granted, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't because it's gonna get it's gonna get harder. I keep saying that, but it's yeah. it really hasn't yet, but it will. I promise you, we're gonna not it's not gonna be Shangri La every time we have this show. Yeah, man. It is uh it's fun to do these shows. And you mentioned duo. Duo was more like a decoy in this game. They had the fourth and one. Yeah, uh, you know, play pass off a duo to to Khalil Mullings, who man, you got to shout Khalil out. He had another good day, and then JJ pulled the duo and ran one in for a touchdown. That's like that was like how the duo was more effective, most effective in this game. Yeah, yeah. It's it, sometimes it's the plays off the favorite play that are the best plays because maybe they're over defending the favorite play. But that, I don't think the duo was really tested much in terms of defending it because it just wasn't run a lot. But they did hit him with some counter punches off the duel, like you said, the fourth and one play and that, that, uh, that still reaps some benefits in the game. So. Yeah. Okay. All right, Al, let's get to your grades. Oh, great. Yeah. Good. Again, I, 
And I'm an easy teacher, man, because these guys are grading pretty good these days. Uh, the, the, the offensive line was really good overall. I had 20 minuses for the whole offensive line. That's, that's amazing. That's a really good game. I gave them an A. I think it's the first A here I've given them all year. Uh, tight ends, I gave a B plus. They were good. Couple, just a couple of issues came up with them, but they were good. Wide receivers uh, could have blocked a little better, but I had them with six minuses totally. But they got a B. They were they were good. Uh, JJ was an A minus. He missed four balls. I thought he could have completed, but other than that, he was he was really good. And the running backs were clean. They were clean. I had one minus for the running backs the whole game, so I gave them an A too. The overall performance was an A minus A. You know, it was an A. I mean, goodness gracious, you don't get any turnovers. You don't get hardly any penalties. And you can't. I mean, you could be nitpicky if you want, and God knows I am. But that performance offensively, add two touchdowns on defense to that. Uh, something else. Oh, off, again, the starting offense only ran 43 plays. I mean, that's the third time this year, third or fourth time that they've been under 50 plays, but they maximized their efficiency on those 34, 43 plays. So pretty good overall performance. All right, folks, if you have questions for Al Borges, get them in the comment section. Now we will start to get to them. A lot of good comments, Al. I don't know if you caught the, the, the base fiddle commentary from, uh, from Cameron Diggs, who said, I don't know about a cow, but we definitely hit that gopher in the butt with a bass fiddle, Al Borges. Well, here's the thing now, Cameron, is that we did. Yeah, we did, and I can't disagree with Hitting a gopher is a lot harder than hitting a cow's ass, as a cow's ass is really big, okay? So if you can't hit a cow, cow in the ass with a bass fiddle, that means you're not passing very good that day, or you're blind, Okay. But you have to be more precise to hit a gopher, okay? But, you know, we were pretty precise, so I, I can't argue with you. I think that that's but, – but it doesn't really exemplify the point I was trying to make when you're not throwing very good. All right, here's one from Ralph Melvin. He said, Al, Zach Zinner said, Michigan hasn't even opened up their full playbook yet, and I believe him. How do you feel? I don't think – I think they got more – I think they got more to show. And the thing that's that's really neat about them, this one makes breaking them down fun, is you always got something new. And you'll see, anybody listening, you got to w- watch our breakdowns because you'll see, I'll tell a straight five to six plays of plays that they have never shown before. And uh, I'm sure they got a lot more in the bag, okay? So, no, I, th- I think the core of their offense is in, you know, the nucleus of their offense is in, but the variations they haven't scratched the surface. I mean, you only got only six games in, and they'll continue, I think, to, to show you more and more nuance. You know, one of the most special traits, uh, and this, I think, is is emblematic of a Harbaugh team. This has been him over the course of his career. He can dress the same play differently. So run the same play from a lot of different looks. And to take that uh, a step farther, Al, I think that this staff, as well as any I've seen Harbaugh has, can take a play and be so the play off the play they build off of plays week to week really well like you you'll see them run a play uh and they'll come back the next week and even if it looks the same they're doing something different off the play yeah what you always hear me say and i used to have guys kid me because i use the phrase so much the residual effects what are the residual effects well 
if you watch Michigan play two weeks ago, you see J.J. McCarthy pull the ball three times, I think on dual plays or whatever. They were some form of zones or gaps or whatever. Well, they watched that. They programmed the defense so that, you know, uh, they got to be aware of that. Otherwise, you know, you see the tape, we see the tape, everybody sees it. He's dangerous because he's got some speed. What are the residual effects of that? Well, the residual effects is somebody has to play him, okay, which opens up other things, okay? So, and I'm just using one example because there's they're all over the place. One week, we're going to run a split zone slide, a split zone uh, counter hybrid type play. I can't remember how I explained it, but the, the fullback, Bradison is going to kick out the end and another guy's going to arc around the corner, right? Well, then the next week, they run basically the same looking play and pull the ball, and the guy who kicked out the end slides into the flat completely uncovered. That is the residual effects of watching one play that was effective, feeling like you have to play that play to stop it, and them having a counterpunch that went with the play. Okay? It's all over their tapes every week. There's something, you know. And then... Add to that the variations with things like flea flickers, okay? We have seen, uh, we saw another reverse in this game. We have seen flea flickers, but none built the same. The only commonality is they pitch the ball back to the quarterback. One of them's off a reverse. One of them's off a sweep. Another one's, the receivers are doing completely different things. So I had a question, I think last week or two weeks ago, uh, about the flea flickers is you can run flea flickers all you want as long as there's something a little different. But if you keep showing them the same flea flicker, they're going to practice the hell out of it and usually stop. Because gadget plays are fragile. They're either usually feast or famine. But when there's that kind of variation, how do you really practice it? You know what I mean? If they're trying to attack you a different way than what you saw on video. Uh, one of the things that we talk about staple run plays, right? Michigan has a few staple run plays. One of those that we detailed a lot in past years was the pin and pull. We just saw the first pin and pull of the season, and it was a doozy, 40 yards. This is our first pin and pull of the season against Minnesota. So Travis Foster asks, why hold the pin and pull until week six, Al? Sam. Answer that question. I have educated you. I'm going to get now. I'm going to throw this one at Sam, and he might screw this up. And if he, does, up. if he does, I'll just fix it. Okay, they so faced all those out-front teams, Al. They there faced all go. those out-front teams uh, out the gate. This was an even front team that pretty much lined up where they were going to be. He did it. Yeah. The target. <laughs> Yeah, I, I spent hey, a, hey, a lot of time wait, with some way too cannot, much time. We cannot go any farther, Al, till we talk about this pit and pull. Now, I, I teed it up, Al. I teed it up. Did I not call out the pit and pull in this he game? Did. He did. He called it out when he saw it. And and I was impressed because I thought it was, when I first saw it, I thought it was a uh, uh, counter CT with a pull center pulling. But I really kind of caught the end of the play. Uh, so he asked me, was that a pin and pull? I didn't think it was. But then they ran it again in the game. And then you could bet that the first one was a pin and pull. So that confirmed it. But the thing about the pin and pulls that's, I think, cool is it's another way to get the ball outside. You know what I mean? Now, the first pin and pull was against a corner blitz, and it ended up, like I said earlier, 
Keegan kicking him out. Now we're gonna we're gonna diagram that, telestrate that, and tell you everything you want to know at the water cooler about a pinnacle. Okay. But like Sam says, in most instances, if you're gonna run that play, you'd like a pretty reliable front. And by that I mean something that, you know, that that suits it. You don't want a ton of movement and three three defenses twisting and turning. That's not that's not as good on pin and pulls. It's not impossible to run them, but you'd rather have a little steady front that you can target and move to. So that's really Sam hit it on the head. I hate to admit it. I hate to admit it, but he was right. It was a, a front that they could count on uh, blocking because it wasn't going to be uh, be a lot of movement. Uh, how about this, Al? Sea Otters said, held my coworker to zero points at the water cooler this wasn't morning. Wasn't even close. Wasn't even close. I love it. How do you say his name, Seotis? Seotis. Seotis. Now, is that him in the picture? Because I think that sucker probably is the one that was a winner. That's a good-looking dude. Uh, defense wins championships, what I say. And then I'm going to come back, and I've heard that my whole life. Defense wins championships. you got to have a good defense to win championships. But if you can't score any points, you ain't going to win. If your kicking game sucks, you ain't going to win. So the overall effort is really what wins championships. That's what's put Georgia – Holding that trophy up every year. They're good on both sides of the ball, kicking game good. But uh, I never say just defense wins championships, just like I never say offense wins championships. I don't think that happens either. It takes an overall effort, a good balance between all of them, because very seldom is your offense much better than your defense or your defense much better. Usually one of them's a little, you know what I'm saying? So you got to have a little balance there. And that, then you do all the right things, you're going to win one. Gotcha. All right. So John Walls wants to know, Al, how did you like the – J.J. false pointing to distract the secondary. Did you see him do? I, well, I don't I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure when. He, I'd like to see the play he's talking about. Right. Uh, because I'm not I'm not doubting that he did some, some. But he did some pointing that wasn't false <laughs> where he was actually telling them. Now, we would do what he's saying. We would do that. Uh, I've had quarterbacks just so guys would see things on tape that they thought were triggers, that something's happening. I'd have the quarterback go like this to the receiver. He didn't mean a thing, okay? He'd go like this to the receiver. He'd point to the receiver. He'd give him a three. Didn't mean a thing. But when the defense watches the tape, they'll stop that or get a television copy of it, say, hey, look what happened when he did this. So um, I didn't really notice a lot of that, but he might have. And uh, uh, so if it is, it is. And it's, it's a great way to do some decoying uh, to the defense. All right. Getting on with the questions. All right. This one from Dooney Don. says JJ's two TD runs against Minnesota were helped greatly by poor defensive play. Those runs ain't going to work against the likes of Penn State and Ohio State, are they? What could be done better there? You said, uh, pointing to, you said there was one you thought he should have gave it instead of pulling it. Yeah, that was one. I You know, he pulled one I thought he probably could have could have handed off, but he beat the guy. And what's to say he can't do that to Penn State and Ohio State? He'll, he can do that to them. He's good enough to do that. Um, but I would not, in answer, I would not make a habit of making reads that are not conducive to success because no matter who you're playing, um, that could blow up in your face. But uh, he can, he'll, I watched Ohio State play last week. If J.J. gets the ball in the old field, he's going to beat some guys. He's going to beat some guys, and, uh, and, and Penn State's pretty good too. But if he gets in the open field, he's going to beat some guys. I believe that. So as long as he's making good decisions, I have no problem with what he's doing because I think he's going to going to make something happen, and he's proven me to be right. 
couple of comments here before we get to another question. Aaron Harris said, one penalty, zero sacks, zero turnovers. This team is very disciplined and well coached. The scary thing is they haven't shown their full arsenal yet, which we just talked about, right? And then here's one for you, Al. I know this one will blow you up. He said, this is Darren Talks Ball. Don't want to overinflate Al's ego. Why not? (laughs) But this series has taught me so, so much about the game. Appreciate y'all for the work you do. How about that, Al? I think that's wonderful, Darren. I, I'm going to tell you something. I don't. I don't know a carburetor from a transmission. I couldn't fix a toaster if it was broken. But I've spent my entire life, my entire adult life, and even before that, since I was 19 years old, studying this game: the offense, defense, everything. Okay. Uh, at one time, I was kind of in the special teams, although I'm not into that near as much as I used to be, and. That doesn't make you a genius. I just want everyone to know that. That doesn't make you the smartest guy in the block. But uh, because what it does do is it gives you some conventional wisdom. Okay? 30 years of coordinating offense, calling over 30,000 plays. God knows it. I hope I learned something. You know what I mean? So I'm not special, and I'm no genius. But I know a lot about football simply because I've spent a lot of time on football. And you explain stuff well. I don't mean to inflate your ego either, but you explain stuff pretty well, Al. I'm well, sure. Sam, you're my litmus test, okay? <laughs> I told him, like, I told him, like, if, if, if I can get oh you to understand God. how I could coach a cockroach. <laughs> Here we go. Matt Stumbo says, Al, I am a, I am a believer in Edwards. I'm a Donovan Edwards, but I'd feel better if you tell me that he's being tooled to become a dual weapon as a running back and a plug-in wide receiver. I know he's going to have his blowout, his big play at some point. What, what do you say, Al? Oh, he's this kid's very capable. And I thought he was good in this last game now. He was really, you know, he's caught some criticism. And I, I told you, uh, he's, oh, he's got a slow start. He's not, well, he's not the primary ball carrier anymore because Blake Corman hurt. He's playing, right? So he's got to split carries. So as a, a coaching staff, you got to find ways to get him touches, not necessarily just handing him the ball, but, you know, working him in the perimeter out of the backfield on, on pass, which they've been doing. They've been doing a great job with. But unless you're going to get, you know, 20 carries in a game like he was getting before, it's hard to get a rhythm. And there's less chances of you to break a long run when you're only carrying the ball, you know, eight to ten times as opposed to carrying it 20-something times. So common sense tells you, but th- th- this kid's a weapon. I mean, goodness gracious, there's not a coordinator in America that wouldn't want him on your team. There's just so many things you can do with him. Add to that, he could go all the way in one play from the backfield at any given time. Yeah, he's the one guy they have that can do that. Yes. That can go 80. Yeah. Right? No, so. He can go 80 and, and, and leave people in his wake. You know, Blake, who's a fabulous running back, I don't think is as fast as Donovan. So it, him taking it 80 yards is less likely, not impossible now. He can still do that too, I think. But but uh, Donovan is is really a, a, can, can supercharge your offense in a, in, a, in a minute. Here's what we can say. Look, if none of the running backs got a whole lot of carries in this game. I think Donovan had four, but Blake only had nine. Uh, I think Khalil Mullings had eight. It was just one of those games where we're in 43 plays, Sam. 43 plays. You know? Right. But he, it just feels like something I said to you last week, Al. It feels like we see another element of him in the past game, even if he's not targeted. He's a presence. I want to say on that pin and pull. Didn't they bubble him on that pin and pull? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. What they did is they worked him from flanker and he motioned. I call it swoop motion where he motions back into the backfield. 
and then circles out on a little bubble route, and the two receivers block for him. Now, what we're going to show you in the film review is why did he throw it to Donovan, right? Well, there's a safety that moved with him and left the flank soft. So he just handed the ball off, and you saw what happened. But if nobody moved, if they just stood static, Donovan would have got that ball. So Why isn't that an RPO, Al? Oh, it is kind of an RPO, but it's in the RPO family, Sam. That family, you know, we talk about that family. But what I call those, they're more what I call run control stuff. They control your run game by separating defenders. Where RPOs kind of control your run game by throwing behind defenders with slants and stuff like that, where they're more post-snap reads than they are pre-snap reads. So they're all RPOs in a sense, but but that is to me is more of a run control type deal. All right. So uh, this we've got a couple of questions about Penn State. Says Al, we get the RPO going against Penn State, we will score explosively because Penn State is so aggressive downhill. Now. Chew on that for a second, because someone asked you a little bit later, this one right here, General Comedian, came back with a, not someone else, same guy, says, Al, how would you scheme up versus Manny Diaz? You ever coach against Manny Diaz? I think I did. Yeah, I think I did coach against Manny Diaz, but I I can't think of, he may not have been the coordinator. I think he may have been just on the staff. I don't don't remember. I'm just, I coach against so many guys, I can't even, I think (laughs) he was on one of the staffs we coached against. But he is uh, kind of a uh, – he likes pressures, but he's not – he's more of a zone pressure type guy, you know what I mean, which is good for RPOs. You know what I mean? They leave holes out there that if you can exploit it, which I think Michigan can, you can take advantage of some of the things that they do. But he's like any other coordinator. What Michigan's done is run the ball on Penn State and have Penn State playing the game in a backpedal. So really, you can use RPOs. I think they'd be good. But anything with gross play action, you know, whenever you want to throw the ball, uh, you can take advantage of some of the things that they do. Now, they're they're good at what they do. And if you don't block them, you know, you're not going to win. <laughs> but if you block them and Michigan plays their game and they want to make RPOs part of it, I think it could be effective. But I think just what they're doing now, if they're as efficient as they've been, they're going to raise hell with Penn State. But that's another week, Sam. I don't know why we're even talking about that. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, Jeff Rook says, love how J.J. went back to C.J. after the early drop. He's like that. Remember a couple games ago, Roman, uh, it wasn't even a drop. We go back and look at it. A guy knocked it out of his hands, but he went right back to Roman the next play. I mean, think about this game. He gets Coast and Loveland blown up, right? It's absolutely destroyed. Maybe the one pass the coaches will come back to JJ, be like, come on, Jay. Right? He would even say that. But then he came back and he got coasted the touchdown at the end of the game. He's just like that. Yeah. Most quarterbacks are like that. I mean, they, they've got enough on their resume. And I'm talking about guys like CJ and guys like Colston. Their resume is good enough to where one drop or one indiscriminate throw or whatever isn't going to erase them from the plan. You know what I mean? They're going to say, hey, guy dropped the ball. So what? He had run the same play earlier in the game. Uh, it was a flanker drive with a smash to the field. Threw it out to CJ, and he ran for the first down. It was a really nice-looking play. Turned around, they got inside the 20 or close to the 20, whatever it was, and ran the same play. He threw it out there again, and, and, he, and he didn't catch that one. So what? I mean, you don't like it, but you can't give up on a guy you know can do the things that he does. He's proven that he's capable. So the best thing you do is 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 pick him up 
and get him another ball and he'll be right back rolling again and y'all will be back rolling again. All right. Cameron Diggs, random question saying, what position did you play in high school? I played running I played running back and then I don't know if I can say it's probably culturally insensitive now, but I played running back on offense in Indian on defense. Indian was a nickel. It was our nickel. We were the Flint Central Indians. And so I played Indian. Are they still the Flint Central? Have they changed? No, nah, it's not open anymore. Are they the Guardians? But I'm gonna. But I tell you what, as a throwback, since you brought it up, Cameron, I'm gonna do the show next week from Atwood Stadium. Atwood Stadium is gonna be my background, and I'm gonna pull out some Flint Central garb. You know, it's I don't need. No, 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 no. We don't want garb, Sam. We want video. Okay, I want. <laughs> what hey, number were you, Sam? What number were you? What so number I was. I was number 12. Okay, number 12. First. Yeah. And then I was number 10 second. Okay, I'm not concerned about that because we'll put a little spotlight on anytime <laughs> you're in there, okay? This is that. And I want to see you on that dagger wheel. I want to see all that stuff so we can critique you and everybody send their their comments in and give a broad brush of what they felt your performance was. Yeah, Flint Central Indians, man. It was, it was we didn't have like Chief Wahoo. We didn't have anything. You no. know, culturally offensive or anything no. like that. But they eventually changed the name of the school before it closed to the Phoenix, that kind of thing. It's still, to me, Flint Central Indians is like Eastern Michigan Hurons. I don't think it was offensive to anyone. But anyway, I digress. Let's get on to the, some more questions. Um, next one. Here's, here's one, Al. Cody Reed wants to know what area of the offense needs to be more refined? Uh, man, that's a good question. Um, I mean, every area of the offense can always be refined. There are no blatant deficiencies at this point that you can point to and say, oh, my God, they're weak there or they're weak, whatever. Uh, I think what to do is to is to constantly be a work in progress, assume that you haven't got it made, that you've already arrived. But to say that there's an, uh, an area that's that's not good, and I'm not sure if that's what the question was or not, they don't have a lot of uh, – of weaknesses in their offense. So the idea now is just to continue to be aggressive, continue to do the things that you've done and add the nuance that you've added from week to week. And I think, you know, I, I think they'll be fine. I just think there's, there's going to be tougher games. That's just the nature of it. You're not going to play 12 football games and, and bomb every team you play. It just doesn't happen uh, to very many teams. So uh, just continue to refine what you do, uh, and I think, I think they'll, they'll be they'll they'll be productive as they've been. All right, back to the questions, man. They're flowing fast, and <laughs> I'm sorry we aren't gonna be able to get it get to all of these. There's so many this week, man. And they this is just the Minnesota game, right? Um, here's another one. Al's a big screen guy. Adam Shepard Shepardson wants to know, Al, do you like the tunnel screen play? or various wide receiver screens on the perimeter with Michigan's wide receivers. I love it. Yeah, I love it. The thing, I, and again, it's, it's expensive. It's expensive screens. Then that's a maintenance there now. And I, when I coached a uh, screening game everywhere I've been, I micromanaged it. You know, I would, I went and explained it every, what everybody did on every play, no matter who it was. Cause I really, really was, I like screening, you know uh, what I found in the past though, is when you get really good at screens, certain teams are hard to screen because they're so aware that you are good at it. And a screen really isn't that hard to stop. One lazy player can stop a screen. So uh, 
you got to be careful with that. But I think uh, the addition of a tunnel screen, you know, maybe a slow screen somewhere, they're never going to be a big screening team. It's like RPO's guy. That is, that's not, it's not their gig. But they have shown during the course of the season that they will slip one in there. And when they do, Sam, we remember what happened last year in the Illinois game, right? Yeah, it's not too yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, Blake. Yeah, big big play for Blake on the screen. You you just said something that I want you to seize upon anymore. So I could. It, it seems intuitive that running RPOs would take uh, a big slice when you talk about economy of offense. Take a big slice of your practice time, but screens are are like RPOs in oh, that way. Oh God, every bit if not more, because they involve so many people. You know, the line having to get out and and get in the perimeter and. The back timing it out against a blitz, timing it against against coverage, timing it out against everything. Quarterback being able to hold the ball a little longer when people are pressuring. You know, all kinds of little things that that go into screening. And, and if you have more than one, which we always did, uh, there is some time and effort that goes into it. The good news about it is they will get you some big plays, some really big plays sometimes if you catch them. But they like trick plays so much they can be feast or famine. Like I said, one dude not even playing very hard can, can can stop a screen pass sometimes. But I think there is a place for him. And, I, and, again, if it's not a litany of screens, at least maybe a screen or two here and there, and surprise him with a screen in the game. And uh, I think it's worth it. All right. Back to the questions. Uh, so, oh, you, we had to highlight this, Al. Kobe Nichols. That blitz that Mullins picked up, Coach, can you rate that? Top five for me on Colston's touchdown. Slobber knocker. <laughs> he knocked the dog crap out of that guy. Loved it. God, it was great. What Khalil did is Khalil said, I'm not going to wait for you to blitz across the line of scrimmage. I'm going to meet you on the other side of the line of scrimmage. I am going to be the blitzer. Okay. You are going to be, I'm going to be the hammer and you're going to be the nail. Okay. And he went and got that guy and lit him up like a Christmas tree, okay? That's how you pick a blitz up. Uh, You might want to keep that on your training reel and show that to all the backs because I think that guy's still laying there. I mean, if he went out there tonight, I think that guy'd still be laying on the turf, Sam. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Let's – Neil Wiggins wants to know, Al, why are we not seeing the explosive runs that we saw last year since the backs are the same as last season? Well, that's a that's a good question. You're not getting the long runs, but you are getting a lot of efficient runs. And another thing, too, is remember, they're just not running as many plays. So the opportunities for those long runs are, are just less prevalent. You don't see them as much. But I think before it's over, in these next six games, you're going to see some explosive runs, particularly in the more competitive games. Somebody's going to pop. A couple guys are going to pop some long runs when they start running 60 and 70 plays in a game, and there's more opportunities to do so. All right, here's one. Uh, Adam Shepardson again says, uh, Al, I'm concerned about the drops from C.J., uh, Donovan, and Loveland. Loveland was a good play on a D. He got, come on, I don't even count that as a drop. Uh, but J.J. should have had at least two more completions. Do you think drops are an issue, Al? No. No, I'd take a chill pill on that one. I don't think that's a – no, drops are an issue when you get five in a game. You know, then you go, oh, my God, geez, we're, we're leaving so many plays out there. But, but in a, you know, it's like anything else. Occasionally, you're going to drop the ball, okay? Loveland, I guess that's a drop. I mean, I don't know. That's a, That was another one that was an ill-advised throw. 
and we're going to detail that one too. And we, we go to the film study. So I don't, he's not one to drop the ball. And, and, uh, Cornelius has not dropped a lot of balls. I go through, uh, you know what I'm going to do is next time I'm going to give you the total amount of drop passes this year. I'll look at my sheets and I'll tell you, but there ain't been many. They just haven't. So I don't think you can look at your notes and count the number of drop passes. Oh, absolutely. I write them all down. Yeah. That's a minus Sam. You drop a pass. That's a minus. But, uh, yeah, I can tell you how many passes were legitimately dropped. And I'm talking about passes that should have been caught. I mean, guys say, well, if you can touch it, you can catch it. And uh, I don't know, man. I've seen guys jump 40 inches and tip the top of their hand finger. And, you know, unless they got an S in their chest, they weren't going to catch that pass. I'm talking about balls that legitimately should be caught that weren't caught. And there just hasn't been, hasn't been a lot of them. Jason will say, you're great at explaining ball, Al. Great at explaining ball. These are all kind of compliments for Al Borges today. Oh, God. I tell, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Hey, Sam, how about a raise, man? What do you think? I'm doing <laughs> hey, pretty man, good. I'm trying to fund the film studies. Well, you, see me, you see me trying know, to fund man. the film studies. I'm trying to get all the guys paid some more money. I'm, I'm going to gonna keep that. all these comments. I'm going to put them on my resume and put them on your desk next Monday and say, Sam, come on now. Gee, many Christmas. You got to pay the piper, Sam. Hey, man. I'm working on it, Al. I'm All working right. on it. All, All right. right. Let's uh let's keep it going. Let's oh Al. We haven't seen the Philly special yet. And no. I think the Philly special no. this year, uh, put Khalil Mullings in that situation this year. Yeah, put Colston yeah. Loveland in that situation this year. And it's a different story. You got a, yeah. a guy who just made the transition from linebacker to running back and a freshman tight end running in the in the championship game or playoff game last year. Now with you know tread on their tires oh i think it's a different story al board yeah you but the problem with that we got to talk yourself into doing it because your history isn't good you know but they've had a lot of luck with trick plays but your history with philly special isn't very good so yeah they'll bring it up in a meeting okay this is what'll happen because i've been down this road look hey al man i think we can throw this the philly special on them they're playing man to man they'll chase that x receiver we can sneak that quarterback out of it and all of a sudden in my mind i go I got a bad memory of that play. He goes, yeah, but this guy did this and this guy did that. He won't do that this time. So if they can talk themselves into running again and then timing it out right, because we all know that's how it's all about. It's not what you call, but when you call it. I think it would work, but it might take some convincing. All right, we can squeeze a few more in because I got Vance on hold. You know, Vance, like, come on, hey man, Vance gets pissed. Hey, he gets pissed. Hey, hey, if Al, I'm not... yeah, what's Al doing? I can hear him now, Sam. How long did Al go? I can hear him now. Hey, man, Christmas man. Man, is Al that popular? Sam, I said, Vance, man, dude has a fan club. See, they they have they requested T-shirts for Vance that with Vance's sayings like uh, "Get on the train." If you could, if you could count to three, you could play for me, right? All these things. Like so it. if Vance has a T-shirt line, seems only fitting that Al Borges has one, right? So folks, you could drop this in the comment section as well. If we made some Al Borges T-shirts, what would be the phrase or the T-shirts? I know bass fiddle would be one of them, right? Can you hit a cow in the ass with a bass fiddle? <laughs> <laughs> that would be one of them, right? Hey, numb nuts would be another one. I, I I swear, I swear, if I had amnesia, I would think my name was numb nuts from hanging with Al. Because no, I try not to use that on the air, Sam. But sometimes, uh, sometimes it fits pretty good with you. I don't know. Oh, uh, they don't let them fool you. Every time he go, hey, numb nuts, what you doing? Every time, every time, 
That is how Al Boy just addresses me. Just so you yeah, know. Yeah, now he's got he's got his wife calling him that. That's terrible. I don't know. That's not good. <laughs> no, she didn't. <laughs> okay, let me not let me not go any further any farther with that joke. I, was, I could go a lot of a lot of different no, directions. You, yeah, this might be a good time to stop, Sam. This might be a good time. <laughs> right. All right, I'll squeeze a few more questions in for Al Boy. Yeah, let's piss Vance off. With that. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see this one. John G. Question for Al. Why does Al believe that Michigan hasn't introduced screens into their plan? Tight end, running back, wide receiver. You've already kind of talked about this a yeah, little bit. Yeah, just the expense. That's the thing. Is it's just they just would rather focus on other things that they really do well. And I don't, I don't put them down for that. I think I like screens. I like RPOs. So what? You know, yeah. uh, that doesn't make a thing to do. They know their personnel. They know what they want to do, and they know what they're going to call Sam. They know what they're going to call. So they could put those screens in, but if they get in a game and they say, that didn't look too good in practice, they ain't going to call it. So why waste your practice time? All right, Ottawa Travel, this is a good one. He said, what type of coverage disguises will cause J.J. to hesitate? And do any of Michigan's future opponents run any of those coverages? So I want to point you specifically to one, Al, where you remember we looked at the Bowling Green game where they're zoned to one side, man to the other. Mm-hmm. They did that on deep crosses. What did you call deep crosses, Al? You, what did you call it, a grid? Well, yeah, if they're real deep, I call it because it kind of looks like a grid. I right, right. That term when I was coaching at Oregon, they used that term. And so they did that again in this way, and it didn't give J.J. a problem at all. Just no, not at all. They, the played, they did. They played a match three, which is a uh, Nick Saban coverage. It's one of his favorites, where uh, it kind of looks like man-to-man. It's a three-deep zone, but they'll carry verticals. I mean, I could go into all the the stuff and we don't have time and you're not that interested, but it is partly played like a man-to-man defense. And it is really just a three deep zone, but that didn't bug him at all. He, he saw, I mean, like uh, um, Roman. Roman was wide open on the deep cross because the safety chased the first crosser. And yeah, he was, but, but there are times, you know, like uh, you can get fooled. We're going to talk about a corner blitz that they showed uh, in this last game where uh, we were man short, you know, it can, it can happen. But it doesn't happen to a good quarterback with much consistency. Yeah, man. So, Al, as you – this is the one that I asked Devin to kind of as a quarterback. So, talk me through how you coach a quarterback to recognize. Because we talked about the context clues. You can't just look at the where's the safety anymore. There's so many no, different things. No. You look at to recognize zone to one side, man to the other, right? So, what, what are all really the things know. you coach a quarterback to look at? Just understand that they're going to – most good teams are going to show – they're not going to show you what they're doing, okay, until the last second or once the ball snapped. So you do pre-snap still. You go up to the line of scrimmage and say, okay, what, what is the contour of the secondary? What's it look like? Is it a round contour where it could be a cover two or a, or a quarters coverage? Is it a staggered contour where a safety's down and it could be a three deep or a man-to-man? You know what I mean? Cover one, cover two, and kind of reduce the options as to what it might be. Okay. And then once you, you don't lock into what it is, but once the ball snapped, you generally have a movement key that tips where you want to go with the ball. Who's the guy going to be in the way of the pass. Okay. And if he's in the way of the pass, then I got to go to the next receiver. And if that guy in the way of that pass, then I got to know I got a third receiver. I got to go to, you know what I mean? But the movement key, I, I told the quarterbacks, there's no such thing as disguise once the ball snapped. They got to get to their spots, okay? They got to cover where they cover. They got to cover their man, or they got to get to their spots and spots, or they got to match the receivers. They got to do something once the ball snapped. 
So that's why once you've seen what it looks like initially, you confirm what you see when the ball snapped and know where your eyes take you. Eyes take me to one, my feet work in concert. Eyes take me to two, my feet work in concert. With my peripheral vision, I can see number three is open. I don't necessarily have to stare at number three every time to know that he's open. Just, you know what I'm saying? But you have to tie your eyes and your feet together as you go through the progression so all the throws time out. All right, we got to make this one the last one because, you know, Vance is going to get a little antsy here. And we don't want Vance getting antsy on old Al Borges. So here's one, Al. I want you to answer the question. Eric Martin says, Al, should J.J. stay one more year and mentor Jason Jaden Davis, who's coming in and coming freshman next year, and up his stock for the draft. And before you answer, let me just say, I'm going to be talking about that on the Michigan Insider. You know, so been spending so much time on on the film studies and all this stuff. I have been gathering some intel, certainly on Jim's contract stuff, but also on JJ. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something. That is not a ridiculous question. It seems ridiculous no, on the it surface. Is not. not with it. It seems ridiculous on the surface. I know it does. Yeah, it ain't ridiculous. But it is not. Yeah. This is. I'm telling you, yeah. folks. No. I'm going to get into this on the MichiganInsider.com. Mm-hmm. I promise you. That is not a ridiculous question. Now, I'm not going to tell you that, you know, it's likely. But the question, Al Borges, is not ridiculous. With that, give me your answer. Well, I think some of it might have to do with how they finish this year, too. You know, if they win the national championship, it's such that, you know, a lot of guys say, well, you know, I did what I had to do here. But uh, you're right, Sam. It's not anymore. In the old days, I mean, I had three first-round draft picks. Uh, They all stayed through their senior year, okay? But uh, if they knew they were going to be a first-round draft pick, how do you tell the guy not to go? You know, that that kind of money is. But today, today with the NIL and all the other stuff, and maybe you have unfinished business, you don't know, there's a reason to reconsider that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's some deals. And and guys have a lot of fun in college. I mean, they really do. They they enjoy that. And add to that maybe some unfinished business. And business. You may get somebody to want to stay. It's not impossible. But I think uh, – circumstances with your family injury considerations all those things factor in but uh it ain't a slam dunk not 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 in 2023 right, right. so be on the lookout because i'm gonna you know and, and i need some help because you know there is there's this new this new feature that i'm gonna bring to the site it's been bringing brought a bunch of new features to the to the uh to the channel right got to bring some new features to the site so we're gonna bring a new feature to the site called Sam's Blue Notes. It, it, need, it needs to be something and the Blue Notes, right? Because I got a, you know, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes used to be, that's that's my thing, that's, that's your day, Al, but I'm I'm a big Harold yeah. Melvin and the Blue Notes fan. Yeah. Gladys I, Knight I'm had the pips. I'm figuring Gladys it out. Gladys Knight had the pips, Sam. You got to have something. <laughs> right, but we got some, uh, I'm going to be getting into, on a regular basis, a series, an Intel series, over at MichiganInsider.com, and that is one of them. J.J., J.J. McCarthy, definitely on draft boards, moving up draft boards. But the question that Cameron Diggs asked about, hey, go or stay, is not ridiculous. 
No. And not. that that I'm not when I not say today. it's not ridiculous, it's not that's not just an opinion. Let me just no. put it that way. All right. So I'll leave it at that and we will close out by getting some t-shirt, some t-shirt suggestions, some Al Borges t-shirt. <laughs> And Sam, Sam, I want I want water cooler scores. We need water oh, cooler scores. Okay. I yeah. want to know how all these guys are doing at the water cooler. Are you killing them or do you need no more info? All right. We got to find that out. So drop that in the comments as well. If you're doing well at the water cooler, Al wants to know because that makes his day. Oh, water oh I live right. for the water cooler, Sam. I live B Phillips 44, B Phillips 4 GG says, I ain't wearing no shirt featuring the cows. Al. <laughs> <laughs> B Phillips, I don't blame you one bit. <laughs> All right. Tyler W says, bald is beautiful. Bald, you you must die, right. It's beautiful. Right? Hair's overrated. Sam always has been. Right, slide one four two says Al the Mac Borges. I am the Mac Daddy, Sam. I'm in <laughs> Stop the it. Doctor Stop of it. Love, Sam. <laughs> Stop it. All right, uh, here is another one. Gorgeous Borges. That's yeah. that's got to be a shirt. Gorgeous uh, Borges has got to be a shirt. Uh, they right? had one, Sam, when I was here. They had a T-shirt. They had uh, a Gorgeous Borges T-shirt when I was coaching. That's what we were doing good. They, they used it for toilet paper after I... After okay, I, yeah, he said Gorgeous Borges with a bald head logo. I'd wear that. I'd wear that. Here's one from Ryan Upton. Trente's got a big... <laughs> <laughs> Trente, don't pick on him. A lot of guys. Really, lot that of is guys. one of your sayings, though. Oh, but we like those guys, Sam. We like those big round butts. I'm clear, man, they can move people. That's that's good stuff. Trente's just one of them. Don't pick on Trente. Oh, my God. Al Borges. The key. You got to you gotta make that a shirt, right? The key? The key, Sam. The key, baby. That's it. That's uh, it. This is it. You Matt, can miss a few or get them all right. Uh, Matt, Stumbo, Matt Stumbo has got your vote. Al is greater than DG. Al is greater than DG. Al is greater than Devin Gardner. Well, why state the obvious? I don't think you need a T-shirt for that. <laughs> all right, folks. We could do this all day long. Because that's how much fun you guys are. And that's how much fun it is to break down this team. But to everything, there is a season. That means this show is coming to an end. We will be doing the film study, though. The film studies go up on Wednesdays. So be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for the uh, breakdown with Vance later today. That will be at its regularly scheduled time. This was the only one that was moved down. Be going with Vance live at 530. So if you want to hear the defensive breakdown, be sure to join us then tomorrow. Uh, We'll be getting into the Recruiting Insider and the live show, which is Dropping Dimes. So we'll get that tomorrow as well. Book that, mark it down, get it ready, and don't forget, we're going to be debuting a new Intel series on the MichiganInsider.com. And we're going to be talking about that question that Diggs asked, Cameron Diggs asked about JJ. Not ridiculous, folks. Again, I'm not saying that again just for effect. So that's going to do it for another edition of the Michigan football breakdown focused on the offense with gorgeous Al Borges. Go blue. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 